This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the End in Mind podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin, the owner of Meraki Media Management. The End in Mind is a place where we come to share stories, tips, and strategies of many entrepreneurs, creatives, business owners, and just some people that aren't willing to live the traditional lifestyle. We talk about how to live outside of the box today and how to incorporate what really is important in your life to keep that end goal always in mind. Again, if you would like to reach out to me in any type of way, you can find me on Instagram at Meraki underscore media underscore management. And I hope to hear from you all soon. Thanks so much and enjoy our show. Okay, everybody, welcome back to the End in Mind podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin, and I have been waiting and excited for this recording for a while now, even though we really just met. Thank you so much for being here, Dr. Debbie. Oh my gosh, I am so excited to be here. This is going to be phenomenal. I love, I absolutely love talking about the things that we're going to spill today because I look at it and I'm like, not enough of us are talking about trauma and on entrepreneurship and how those things overlap and how they impact, but it also feels like an infection sometimes relationships and all the things. So anyway, I'm excited to dive in. I'm so excited. I can't wait. Thank you so much for being here. Dr. Debbie, do you mind telling us a little bit about yourself and, you know, how you've become an entrepreneur and how you help people with the soul, um, the soul mapping that you do? I might not be using the correct term, but I can't wait to just dive in and share with them, you know, how you have become you today in front of us. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, my journey into all of this, what I would call insanity that I love, right? Because entrepreneurship feels like that sometimes. It is so crazy making and so fulfilling all at the same time. Um, but my journey, it really, the the asteroid that knocked me off course, because I had done the whole like practical path, because that's what you're supposed to do. And you follow the rules and you do the thing. And I had landed myself in a small mom and pop credit union. Cause I was trying to break away from corporate. <laughs> I was like, I learned yeah. very quickly that corporate was not my jam. So I was like, I'm going to put my, my sales and see where the winds take me. And I ended up in a small mom, pop, small mom, pop credit union, um, kind of as a favor to someone it was double, it was double edged. And I'm going to call this out. Cause I think a lot of us do this. Um, it was a favor and I was trying to prove myself. I was trying to prove myself to someone in my life. And I was like, I'm going to take this job because I'm going to prove that I'm as good as so-and-so. I'm going to prove that I'm as knowledgeable and blah, blah, blah. So there's a lot of proving going on in there. And while I was there, um, trigger warning, 
while I was there, I was held up at gunpoint. Someone came into our credit union, said they were going to kill me, pointed a gun at me and told me to get on the floor. And I, I thought, I thought I was going to die. Um, and I only had three thoughts as I laid on the floor. One was, was my life good enough? Uh, does my husband know that I love him? And how the hell am I going to get this credit union manager out of here? Cause there's only two of us. How am I going to get her out of here without her getting hurt? Not to ruin the ending, but I survived. Um, and he did, he came back seven weeks later and did it again. And the thing about that, like, I think I could have maybe handled the first one, but then everybody tells you, oh, it's like lightning. It'll never happen again. It's like, you know, the, the likelihood is like nil to none, that kind of thing. And then seven weeks later, he came back and did it again. And it absolutely shattered like every single protection and idea around safety that I had ever held. And I want to pause here for a second, because I think that is something that trauma does to us is that we grow up in environments that teach us certain rules, sometimes that support us, but oftentimes they're broken and they make us feel a certain way about our true self, about our authenticity. And so we build all of these protections and these scaffoldings and these machinations to protect our authentic self. And then when trauma walks in the door, it's like a toddler with a hammer and it destroys everything, (laughs) right? Like everything that we've built up to protect ourselves, it smashes all of that to the ground and with it can often take our perspective or our understandings of the world. And that's, I think what happened that seven weeks later is that whatever I thought I was holding on to and duct taping together from the first event the second one completely decimated. And that began a very dark downward spiral in my life um, into suicide, depression, anxiety, shock, panic, all of those things. And I tried to keep my job for another five months because that's another thing that we do is we show up and we keep pushing through and we keep pushing through and we keep pretending that everything is okay because my manager needed somebody at the place. So how can I quit? Right. So I kept traumatizing myself over and over and over again. Um, eventually I quit. Joe and I decided to move out of the state and across the country because we were like, hey, maybe if we move, it'll be better. Newsflash trauma follows you. And when I say trauma, I hope for anyone listening, I really want to make sure that you understand that trauma can happen at any level. It doesn't take the insane experiences that I've had for trauma to count. It doesn't take, and we don't even, if you're like, it's not trauma, Deb, it's a wound. Great. If you can only get to the fact that it's a wound, let's like hold that in your mind. But I want you to know that it doesn't take going off to battle and experiencing some horrific war scenario for us to have trauma. Trauma can happen in any place at any level. And so just know that as we talk this experience, and as I use that word trauma, trauma, wounds, pain, all of those kind of things. Okay. So anyway, we moved thinking that it, that I would be okay, but you know, newsflash, it follows you. (laughs) So it followed me across the country and, um, it just continued. I tried to get a job there, ended up in a three-day panic attack because I was like, I can't handle being back in a workplace again with cubicles and my whole life shifted. And it got so bad that we ended up having to put me into a hospital because I couldn't promise to keep myself on the planet anymore. That was a pact that I had made with my partner and team. He was just so lovely because the first attempt he wasn't home. And when he came home, I was like, I'm not going to tell him. I'm not going to tell him. And then I'm like, okay, I'm telling you, I can't not, he has this face and I'm like, I can't not tell him. Um, and I share this because I know we're going to be talking about relationships perhaps a little bit later 
in the conversation. And sometimes our partners, when they're working with us in trauma, there's a couple of things that can happen. One is they don't know what they're doing, right? They have someone who like, they want to help and they want to protect, but this thing that's happening around and inside of them is inside of them. It's not like they can go out there and beat somebody up (laughs) or, or get something involved. It's like, no, the, the monsters inside, not because we are the monsters, but because trauma itself can, can feel like that. And the other thing that can happen is what's called secondary trauma in their lack of ability to help us or in their experiencing our trauma through us, they can get secondary trauma. So here I am on the other side of the country. I'm falling apart. My husband doesn't have a support system. So he's experiencing this. I'm experiencing this. The reason I want to share going back to the first time he came to me or I told him and he goes, I expected him to freak out. And I find this super helpful for anyone that's dealing with someone with trauma is his example. When he was like, instead of freaking out, he was just like, Oh, okay. Why do you think that happened? What's going on in your, in your mind? What kind of help can we get you? How can I support you right now? And can we make a pact that you won't do this again without calling me first? Right. So I share that because I think that's a really powerful example of how we can respond to others in their trauma is to just stay calm, to not make it about us, to see how we can be supportive and help them and what they're going through. And as far as partnerships concerned, like that was, that was one of the most amazing um, supports I got from my partner right? Like in relationship. And I don't know where he got that from because he didn't get training. He surprises me sometimes <laughs> with how amazing he is. Anyway. So, um, fast forward back into Maryland and I ended up getting hospitalized. Uh, cause I, I just, the suicidality was so high that I was like, this is it. This is over. I can't. And so we chose together to put me in a hospital. Another one of those, like probably one of the most horrific decisions I'd ever made up until that point in time because of, because of all the shame that I felt connected to having to be quote unquote institutionalized, right? We, we have so much shame around trauma itself. I feel like, I feel like, especially in American culture, we are simultaneously trauma tolerant, meaning we are super happy to pass on trauma let's spread it around. Let's bring it to the potluck. Let's like appetizers for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. (laughs) Right. It's like everywhere. So it's perpetuated so easily. And then we are also like healing and emotion averse, meaning that anyone having any kind of breakdown or any, um, reaction to the trauma, we're like, whoa, 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 back that, you know, cover that up, put the mask on. Don't let me see it don't be a victim. That one drives me insane. Cause I'm like, I'm sorry. No, I, I am a victim. I see what you're saying. Like there's a victim mentality, but I'm like, I'm, I'm tired of us shaming people for being on the receiving end of trauma. Like there's nothing inherently wrong with being a victim. Right. Totally. And there's actually like a lot of beauty in it. Like once you accept that this was our experience and that's okay, that we were victims of our situation, it's really enlightening actually, you know? Absolutely. Cause I feel like that's the, that's where we get our power from is being like, oh, this happened. And I was a victim to it, to that thing. And now knowing that I'm here, where do I go next? Because if I keep, if I, if I continue to pretend that either this didn't happen or I'm not impacted by it, then what I'm really doing are ignoring all of the indicators inside of me that are telling me how to heal it. 
So instead of healing it, I'm trying to re and that's what we do, right? That's what I'd been doing up until the time I'd been hospitalized is I'd been trying to take that weird erector set of protections and try to rebuild it, but I didn't have the emotional stability to be able to rebuild and hold those kind of masks and falsehoods and, and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. I didn't have it. And so my only choice, my only choice was to heal it was to step into that. And I feel like that's what the the hospital ultimately did for me. That, that experience was turned out to be one of the most life-changing and important choices I had ever made to say yes to that and to choose into that. And by choosing in learning like how to work with my trauma to get me back into my power zone rather than fighting it constantly and spending my, all my time, energy and attention in the fight and being tired and being withdrawn from the world. And it was there in the hospital um, that I ultimately learned how to reset the rules of my life. Like that, that they even existed like number one. So if you're out there and you're listening to this, let me tell you right now, if you've never heard this before, the reality that you're living isn't real. It's all designed by the rules that we picked up in our childhood. All those things that told you that it wasn't okay to be you, that it wasn't okay to show up as you or interact with the world as you, all of those things, it's not real. <laughs> that blew yeah. my mind when some lady told me that in the, it was the social worker in the hospital. She's like, Deb, all these rules you're living by, I don't live by those rules. The other people here don't live by those rules. Those are yours. And I was like, what? What? We don't have the same. I I couldn't. I couldn't. I thought some like big set of rule books was handed out and we all got them and we we're all being raised the same way. And I was just like, I cannot believe that this is the thing. And then she's like, so we did this whole exercise around it about like identifying my rules. And then she's like, okay, turn the page. Now I want you to write the rules you choose to live by. And I was like, stop. So I couldn't, like my hands yeah. were shaking. My body was shaking this idea that I got to choose my own rules which can be simultaneously exhilarating and like complete freedom, right? Because it's like, oh my gosh, I get to design my world and terrifying because now there's no one else to blame if I design my own world, right? So that that was the movement into where I come today. And then it was just a stumbling forward because I the other thing I want us to know about trauma is that there's not this miracle thing that suddenly makes it go away, okay? Yeah. It's like, we just continue to deal with it and we get better and better and better at navigating it. And are there pieces of the trauma that we can heal? Yes. But it's kind of like ogres and onions. They have layers. <laughs> There's so many layers to trauma. And so as we work through those, can we heal the layers? Yes. But this idea that I'm going to go into the hospital and two or three weeks later, I'm going to come out, I'm healed, you know, or I'm going to have like one session or do a year of, I see that a lot where people will go and they'll be like, I've been doing this for three months. I'm like, yeah, but you've been traumatized for more than three decades. So, or two right. decades, right. Or four decades or five decades. Like you've been tra traumatized for years and years and years, and that's not going to get undone in three or six or nine months, but can layers be healed? Yes. Can we find power in what we're doing? Absolutely. And so as I moved out of that I stumbled into personal development. I stumbled into energy and intuitive work, which blew my mind because I did not come from that background. And I was like, what is this stuff? You all are crazy. But the more I learned right. and the more I implemented, and I think that's another, another powerful point is like implement the things, at least try them on for size. Because if we don't try them on, how do we know if they work for us or not work for us? And then when we do try them on, right, then it's like, 
it's in, it's an experimentation or a play. Let's talk, let's call it play. It's a play process of being like, Ooh, is this working or is this not working? And if I tweak it this way, does it work better or does it work worse? Or does it work? Not at all. And if it doesn't work at all, then we go, okay, that didn't work for me. Like EMDR, like some people swear by it. EMDR and therapy. No, that was more traumatizing. I was like, that did not work for me. That doesn't mean EMDR is bunk. It just means that for me, not a powerful thing. Neurofeedback. Oh my gosh. Do I love neurofeedback? Some people that's not their jam. That's fine. doesn't have to be your jam, but for me, it was incredible. And I look at that in the intuitive world as well. Like if you're not into the woo, fine, that's fine. I'm not your huckleberry. I'm not your unicorn, but if you're into the woo, oh my gosh, there are things in here that can help us in this experience of healing and navigating and empowering ourselves to do the things that we want to do. So anyway, I know that was like, tell us a little bit about yourself. And like 50 hours later, I hope y'all are still with me. Um, that's my story of how I got here is that it was a lot of pain, a lot of heartache and a lot of stumbling forward because I go back to that thing that I thought on the floor of the credit union, was my life good enough? I yeah. never wanted to think that again. I never, I'm like, that was my first thought when I thought I was going to die. It's like, was my life good enough? And I was like, what am I not doing with my life? What am I not living with my life? That that has to be my first thought. And I was like, never again. So immediately, yeah. well, not immediately through the process, I've, I've been able to look and go, what do I really want out of my life? Because I'm not doing that again. If I'm going to die, short term, like if some weird thing's going to happen and take me from this planet, I need to know that I've been trying to live to my absolute fullest every single day or as much as possible in every single day, given the different levels that, and I think you understand that too, right? Like every day is not the same. There are some days where I'm like, I have like all to give. And there are other days where I'm like, I made it to the couch and I'm going to celebrate that. And I'm going to let that be a thing. I love, I'm first off, just thank you so much for sharing with us and allowing us to hear your story. And we are always a safe space here at the end in mind, but I just want to commend you for sharing and just hold space for how impressive what you've done, you know, with coming out of this really unfortunate situation and having the level of awareness to say, okay, I had this thought and now what am I going to do with it? You know, and we didn't like, you didn't stop. You kept stumbling forward. And I think that now you're here with us and we get to share and you get to help people navigate through really tragic situations in our lives while also living an amazingly abundant, happy, joyful life. Like it can happen both at once. And I think, yeah, that's I was going to say, I thank you. <laughs> right. Keep going. I, I just, I had to throw the thank you. And then she saw me throw my head back. I'm like, thank you. Yes. They can happen at the same time. We don't have to fully heal before we can enjoy. And we can't, we don't have to wait to enjoy while we're like, in pain, like they can be simultaneous and that doesn't make us fake. And that doesn't make mm -hmm. us imposters. That is real. That is the reality that we are that experiencing both at the same time. So when people come over here, cause I've had people accuse my glitter of being like, Oh, you're just trying to cover everything up with glitter. I'm like, if that's what you think you are not watching anything else that's going on in my world, because that is not real. I like to say my glitter is war paint, right? Like I can have my glitter and at the same time, I can be very real about the fact that shit happens, oh. team. Like that's what yeah. ha it, 
all these things happen. We live in a universe with 8 billion people who all have the power to make choice. And sometimes those choices hurt themselves. Sometimes they hurt us. Sometimes they hurt all of the above. Right. And so when they make those choices, it's up to us to decide what we're going to do with it. I can't stop them from making the choice. I can't. But what I can do is go, where am I? Where is my power in them making the choice? Because if I look at all my trauma, because there was the that adult and I have a lot of childhood trauma, if I look at all of that together, that wasn't my choice. Right. I'm like, that's not our choice, especially when we're children. Please hear this for any of you who have experienced childhood unhappiness. That was not your fault. Not at all. It is not your fault. And I still am the only one that can carry my ass forward, right? Like no one else is going to come pick me up, pull me out of the trauma and make it all better. It's like, that's where I'm empowered. So that's what I'm looking at is what can I choose today? Even though the yuck is happening, even though the shenanigans are going on, what can I choose today or in this moment that will lead me to better places? And sometimes that choice is to get back in bed. (laughs) But I'm glad you said that, Caitlin. I'm so sorry to interrupt. I'm just so glad that you said that about like both coexisting at the same time. And that doesn't diminish our world and it doesn't mean we're doing anything wrong and it doesn't mean that we're faking anything. It's just both can coexist. And and when we can accept that, it allows us again, power to move forward into into the places that we want to be. Yeah. And what you said about going back to bed as well, like a few of the listeners have heard me say, like there are some days where I just peel myself up out of a nap to come record because it isn't a great day, you know? And a lot of the listeners know, like I have been diagnosed with PTSD and it's not always great. It's not always glamorous, even though, you know, I am an entrepreneur and I have knowledge. It doesn't mean that just because we're highly educated women doesn't mean that we still don't have lows, you know, like, This is where I think I really hope that you guys can hear us in this message, because even with my boyfriend, like we were never told as kids, I think most of us that listen to this, that being sad or being upset like is okay and that it's okay to go back to bed and process those emotions or eat a tub of ice cream and watch your favorite Netflix show like this is okay, And if it's going to help you heal do it. Like, please don't hold back from that. Because the second I started listening to my body, that's when my body started responding positively, which is what you talked about with some of those signals and calming down enough to be able to hear what your body needs and put it into action. Like there is levels of even doing that. You know, for me, it took years and sometimes I still resist the message. So I'd Mm -hmm. love to know like how you kind of give yourself that permission. I'm so glad you bring that up because I feel like trust in self. Let me, let me say it this way. I think the greatest thing we can give ourselves is radical self-love, but I know a lot of us have a problem getting there because our world operates not from radical self-love. Our, our world operates from conditional love. So next to that, if I can get people to trust, <laughs> to trust themselves and the, the roadblocks we run into is from the time that we are young, we are trained to not trust ourselves, right? Like if we have emotions when we're young, we're supposed to suck it up depending on the household that we are in. Right. I don't, you might be too young to hear this one. Maybe, maybe not. But like in my home, it was like, if you're going to cry, I'm going to give you a reason to cry. Right. Or don't be too sensitive or like we're, we're given all of these messages about who we are and how we are that tell us that our all the indicators that we're receiving 
can't be trusted because the adult in our life who we rely on for everything is telling us to not trust us. And that may be, that may be parents. If it's not parents, it can happen in school. It can happen in church settings. It can friends of friends, other family members. Like we get these messages in our society and America, like I said, American society is really good at this where we are taught to ignore our feelings and to some extent our bodies. And I, and I, I want to push this home for those of us in entrepreneurship, which is everyone is listening to this podcast because you've been taught and you can see it in your businesses where you push and push and push and push and push and push and push until you burn out. That is an example. Hustle culture teaches us to keep going even when we're tired because that's just what you do if you really care about your business and you really want to get things done. So I'm just laying the groundwork to say that like we, our trust has been ultimately undermined. So how do we come back from that? I think that's a great question, Caitlin. The first is I want you to know it's not your fault. It's not your fault. Okay. But, or, and not, and not, but, and it's not your fault. And you do have the power to change it. I think that's important to understand. So let's, when I, the reason I want to call it, it's not your fault is because I think it's important that we get rid of the shame, right? Let's drop the shame of not trusting our bodies. Let's drop the shame of finding out this is where I am. The power isn't going, this is where I am. Okay. This is where I am. So what's next. Okay. So we're going to get rid of the shame. Then we're going to do the smallest things, the smallest things. Meaning when your body has to pee, go pee. People laugh. Thank my clients so laugh all the time. <laughs> I am so glad you said that. My coach said that to me for a few months ago. And I go, oh my God, I never go pee when I have to go pee ever. I mean, sometimes we don't even connect to like that being a need. You know, it's like, obviously it's not the right time. So it can wait. Sorry to cut you off, but I love that you said that. <laughs> No, it's so true. We've been taught to make everything wait for what we've perceived as more important, which is usually work. And that's just not true. It's just not true. So we're going to pee when our body says pee. We're going to drink water when it says drink water. And we're going to eat when it says to eat, because I know that most of us also delay that, right? Oh, just one more thing. Just one more thing. And then three hours later of the day, like Joe had to like eventually he put a note on my calendar that said lunch. Cause he was like, you keep skipping lunch. So now I have a note that reminds me like you need to go eat lunch. So all of those things. And I think you've probably seen this Caitlin, as we start listening to our body in the small things and building trust in the small things more, it'll give us more and more messages because what we're doing is we're sending a signal to our body that says, Hey, I'm listening to you. I'm listening to you. And if we can listen to body, our soul will start to speak as well, because more often than not, our soul speaks through our body, right? It gives us impressions. It gives us like sights inside our minds. It gives us words inside. It gives us like feelings and sensations. All of this is happening through the body. So as you said, I'm so disconnected. I don't even know that I need to pee. If we're so disconnected, we don't know to pee. How are we going to get the intuitive hits that tell us what to do, when to do it, and how to do it. Like you talk about intuitive marketing, right? How do we lean into intuitive marketing if we're not even listening to when we have to pee? That's why yeah. we feel so like discombobulated and like, I can't do this and this feels so hard. It's because we've taken the most natural thing on the planet, which is listening to our intuition. And we've put in all of these roadblocks in between us and our spirit. 
from like societal pressure, family culture, other cult, like all those things get in the way because it's like, no, this is the way we do it. And we don't act like this. And we do act like that. And then suddenly we don't even know how to hear ourselves anymore. And then we're like, why can't I hear me? Well, you don't even listen to when you have to pee. So let's listen to that. And then that can spill over into other things. This is something I learned really early on in my, not as early as I wish, but like within the first couple of years of navigating my PTSD. And that was if I listened and chose into what Joe and I lovingly labeled couch days, because there were days when seriously, and there still are sometimes, and I want to be real with that, is that like, it's not like Deb's life is happily epic after. I love my life. And there are still components of trauma that I'm still working through. And there are still days when the tide comes in and I'm up to my neck or over my head in grief and trauma. And I need to choose into the good old couch day, which is like, I'm just going to get my ass from the bed to the couch and I'm going to watch my favorite Netflix shows or movies. And I'm just going to relax and allow it to move through me until I feel those moments of action of where it's like, in some days there isn't, it's just all grief. And it's all just like, it's Netflix day. That's it. That's all I'm doing. And there are other days where it's like, it's Netflix day. And then there's like this cloud that parts. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I can do something. Like in the beginning it was like, you could put a load of laundry in. And I was like, oh my gosh, I can. So I learned to act on it. As soon as the clouds parted, I would grab the laundry. I would throw it in. I would check in with myself and it'd be like, nope, you're done. And I would just go back to the couch and lay down. But I found that as we did that, and that's why they were called couch days, because all I could do was get up and move to the couch. And Joe gave me permission to let that be a thing. Cause, and not that I needed his permission. I hope y'all hear that. It's not that I needed it, but I did, but I needed, I just, I did not his because he's my partner, but I needed someone to tell me it was okay to take care of myself. So if if anyone out there listening to this, if you need quote unquote permission done, Caitlin and I were like, we give you permission (laughs) to take care of yourself, to choose into your couch day, because the more you listen to yourself when it needs that space and that rest, the faster your healing will happen. And that feels very counterintuitive because we've been taught to go, 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 go and work, 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 work. And it's like, no, in healing, we need to take productivity out of the equation and put intuition and listening back in. Because the more that I listen and the more that I act upon what I understand from my body, from my soul, the easier and faster the healing becomes. Now, please hear me when I say easier. I'm not saying easy. (laughs) but easier because I'm not spending my energy in the fight against what the bodily indicators are giving me. I'm not like, for example, I used to feel like if I went somewhere in public, I couldn't leave because that would mean I was quote unquote weak. So I would sit there and my body would be having a full blown panic attack. And I'm just trying to hold through it. And I'm trying to hold back the fears and my body's shaking and my heart wants to explode. And I'm like, I'm so afraid right now that something terrible is going to happen. And by the time I got home, that would be like two to three days of recovery and of being terrified and crying my eyes out for days and days because I was re-traumatizing myself. I was re-traumatizing myself by holding me in a situation that didn't feel safe. And as soon as I could be like, oh no, my body's signaling that it's time to leave. I just, Joe and I have a signal. I gave him the signal. We could get up and we could walk away. That was it done. And he didn't ask questions. And my friends learned to not ask questions. I'd be like, I got to go. And they would just be like, okay, cool. Thanks. We're glad you came. Even if it was for just five minutes, we are so glad we saw you. 
And nobody, I made sure to surround myself with really amazing people. I let go of or refrained from being around people who judged me in my trauma and instead surrounded by myself with people who could love me in my trauma, like true, honest to grandma, love me in my trauma, which meant they removed all the expectations of how Deb had to show up in the world. And instead they were just like, Hey, whatever you need, like whatever it needs to be in here, it is what it is. And when we can do that, whether that's a couch day or removing ourselves from a situation or not even showing up to begin with, like how many of us feel pressured? I got to go to the family thing because of X, Y, and Z. No, you don't. You don't have to go. If your body and your soul is saying, this isn't where you can be today, you've used up all of your energy, right? We have so many, we have so many units. Some people call them spoons. And I really like the idea of forks and spoons. Spoons are like our allotment of energy. Forks are the things that take from our energy. They stab our energy, okay? And we all have so many things. We have so many things that we can give energy to and so many things that can like hit us before we're done. And if we're not paying attention to that, because we're not paying attention to our body or we're ignoring all of the indicators, we can put ourselves in very traumatic, re-traumatizing and harmful situations. But when we listen and we go, you know what? I have one fork left. I have two spoons. If I go to this family event, that's a five fork event. (laughs) I just know it's a 10 spoon, five fork event. This, the shit's going to get real. So it's just like, I'm not going to choose into that. I'm not going to do that. Right. And so that to me, that's, if we're looking at how do we build trust, listen to your body first, those simple signals, and then start giving yourself permission to say yes, when your body needs rest to say no, when it says, don't go to the thing, when it says, take on this project or don't take on this project. Like it's really about listening and that trust gets built over time. So if you're thinking you can find a switch inside of you and be like, I flipped the switch and now I completely trust me. That's not real. It takes practice and that's okay. It's okay to take practice. The other thing about trust is that it takes safety. Okay. It takes safety. There's actually, if we look at trust, it's if, cause I've been looking at this a lot recently, there's three components of trust. There's truth, there's safety, there's confidence. Confidence comes from the doing of the thing, which means confidence is going to be built over time as we lean into truth and we lean into safety and this whole listening to our body. That's part of the safety component. If we're not listening to our body, how safe does our body feel with us? If we're not listening to our intuition, how safe do our parts, how safe that part of us, think about this. You're having a come apart and we're judging instead of loving that part of us. that's like, oh my gosh, you're experiencing trauma right now. We're like, oh my gosh, why am I so weak? Why can't I get past this? Why isn't this done yet? Why can't I just do the thing? So what you're saying in that very moment where the most traumatic part of you is speaking up and saying, please see me and love me. I am hurting. I am hurting. Instead of pulling it in and holding it and saying, I love you and I see you and whatever you need, I will give that to you. We are causing more trauma and shame that, that undermines safety that destroys safety inside of us. So how do we get to trust if we're constantly destroying safety? That's why it's so imperative that we listen when our body speaks and we listen when our heart speaks because that builds the safety. But like I said, small steps, I swear team, I did this with a client recently. Her goal was flow and ease. She's like, I need flow and ease in my life. And there's so much trauma that we're working through with her. And I'm like, okay, week number one, all I want you to do, all I want you to do is listen to your body. That's it. I want you to be in conversation with your body, listen to the indicators and we're going to track it. 
And that's what we did. Okay. That's what we did. And we, by the time we met together, like by the very next week, she's messaging me and she's like, oh my gosh, like all this stuff is happening, like in a good way. And I was like, yes, you're listening to your body. By week four, she had this moment that completely blew her mind of like healing and trusting. And like, she's like, Deb, I can see myself like for the first time in my life. And she's been decades on this planet. I feel at home in my own body. And I was like, yes, she said, she goes, this was, she says the last 24 hours was worth six years of therapy to me. She's like, I feel like I did six years of therapy in 24 hours. And I'm like, yes. And look at what was possible because all we did was have you listen to your body. You couldn't have been here experiencing this moment and seeing what your soul wanted you to see if you hadn't built the trust. So safety is that first component, truth. Where do we get truth from? This is the one that we all need to be paying attention to because there are two components to truth, outside in, inside out. We're looking outside in. This is all about the rules that the world is giving to us, right? How are they telling us we have to live or who we have to be or what needs to transpire? These are the things that you might've heard as kids like, Hey, children should be seen or not heard, or you should let other people go first or make sure blah, blah, blah. Like all those things we learn as kids, whether our parents were crazy, insane, abusive, or really good people just trying to do the best they could. We pick up rules from our society by the things that are said to us or by the things done to us or by the things said or done to others that we witness. And our little brain, which I love, like between the the ages of like zero and seven, zero and eight, our brain looks at something that happens and it makes a decision about that, which is so ridiculous and funny and also sad at the same time, because what seven-year-old truly understands the world, but you got a five, six or seven-year-old being like, oh, based on this thing, then X, Y, and Z based on that over there, that means that, so funny example, um, as a kid, I came through some poverty. And so there was a period of time in my childhood where there was just not enough food to go around. And when Sunday breakfast would come around, my mom's making hash browns. My brothers would always get larger portions than me. And I asked one day, like, why don't I get as many potatoes? Cause team, I love me some potatoes. You give me some hash. Yeah. I'm a happy, happy girl with my potatoes and I'm a hungry kid. And I'm like, why are they getting more than me? And she's like, Oh, cause they're boys and you're a girl. And my brain formed the rule that boys get more than girls. That's just the rule. Boys are better than girls. Boys get more than girls. Boys are more important than girls. No, that wasn't actually the rule. My mom just was like, hey, growing boys and didn't understand that her daughter was hungry. And we didn't have a conversation around it. Mom didn't know. But that's the rule that was formed. And so I spent the next two to three decades feeling like I was less than men all because of a gr- uh, some potatoes when I was a kid. And I, there yeah. it was so funny because there came a day I loved my brother. And then suddenly I was so mad at my brother. And I was like, why am I so mad? And I'm like, oh, hash browns, hash browns. That's <laughs> the reason I'm mad at my brother. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. I love hash browns too. And I'm an only child. I can only imagine there'd be like daggers across the table. Like, how dare you, you know, like, but of course uh, we can't, even put words, you know, like that's what I love about what you said is your mom's doing the best she can with her rhetoric. And Dr. Joe shared a very similar experience with us on the last podcast episode, which we'll share with you listeners about that in a few moments. But it's like these moments where we take these words, we take the, you know, expression on our parents' face. Like for me, it was always 
passive because they could be saying one thing, but their face says the completely opposite. Yes, thing, you know? yes. So like, that's why I'm very expressive and I'm very like intuitive with my expression because I don't want people to take my expression the wrong way, but it does, it curated exactly how I am. And sometimes it's just these one words that we have to listen to the inner us. Like, yes, you were undermined in that moment. That's okay. Mm -hmm. Even though that wasn't the intention, it's still valid to feel this way. It's valid because we lived with it for X amount of years. So it was definitely real. You know, it wasn't fake. And I think sometimes people hear us going back to these areas and like, I'm kind of wanting to put it in a box. Like my mom will say, like, put it on the shelf. And I'm like, but that's still categorizing what it is. And you're not really yeah. doing anything with it, you know? So we're all about taking off of the shelf. Yes, looking, please. Nurturing, holding. Like, I love how you said that. Um, Even you got a little bit emotional. It's like, stop ignoring this. Like, we don't need to ignore this anymore. This is valid. This is real. This happened. Now, what can we do in the future to make sure that we don't interpret things in this way, you know, anymore as well? Because sometimes like our partners can say something and then it puts us back in that same place that we, you know, absolutely, because they don't know. They don't know. And for those of you, I've been saying Joel all along the way, like Dr. Joe is my man. So if you listen to the money episode, Dr. Joe is my man. And he's had his own journey of growth along this. He didn't come. He came. I don't know how he came so amazing. He already came amazing, but this process that we went through, through trauma and him getting therapy and me getting therapy and both of us like walking personal development and this intuitive world together has just taken him to whole new levels. And so I love seeing all of this power inside of him. And it doesn't mean that we don't have the fights and the come aparts and the like having to sit down We've done this. We do this all the time where we have to redefine words together because as amazing as two people can be, we still come from two completely different backgrounds and we don't know what is going to be a trigger or a problem in another person. And so there are some words that we've just agreed do not exist in our home, like obey. That is not a word that is, I'm not going to obey anyone. I don't expect him to obey. Like that is not a thing. It's no, that one is, that one got thrown out. There's other words. Like I remember we took like a one or two hour time block to figure out feminism. Cause every time I said it, it would trigger him in a certain way because he learned it to be like some kind of man hating movement. I'm like, no, 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 no. This is what I mean when I talk about feminism is like, it's the power of people to pursue what makes them happy without like harming anybody else. Like everybody should have that right. So it, it encompasses anyway. So we've had to like define those words together so that when we speak to one another, we're like, oh, we're speaking in words that work for each other. And so yes, redefining all of those things. So when they come up inside of us, it's not like we don't have to ignore it because that's what we've been taught. We've been taught yeah. to ignore problems or put it on the shelf. Oh my gosh. The shelf can only hold so much. I hate the shelf. If I hear the shelf thing one more time, I'm like, mom, don't say it. I'm like, stop passing it out to the world. Whatever you're saying, it's not good. You know, that is definitely smoke signals. You know, I'm like, no, don't say it. it. Is that something that they were learned to do? When you think about the men coming home from like the world wars, they were told to go home. Don't talk about it. Don't speak about it. Just go live your life. That's all you need to do. And they called it like, what do they call it? Shell shock. We know now it's PTSD. So we have all these people coming home, like Joe's grandfather, who I had an opportunity to interview before he passed away. 
who lived in some insane situations through World War II. Yeah, he was taught not to talk about it. So that's what he did. He came home and he didn't talk about it. But it doesn't heal us. It only passes on the problem. And so ignoring it and putting it on a shelf doesn't work because it only works as long as the shelf holds. But like I said, all it takes is some meteor coming through to knock that shelf off. And now we're like, oh shit, what is all of this? And how do I deal with it? But if we look at it, like, I feel like the work that I've done over the last decade has been taking everything out of my closet and it makes a mess. I want all of you to know, listen, this it's going to make a mess because you're going to be like, I have so many boxes and so many things and there's stuff everywhere. And what do I do with it? And you're just going to take it one box at a time, but it's got to come out so we can reorganize so we can throw away that the stuff that no longer serves us. So when we put it back together, it actually supports us. It's easier for us to find the things that we need. And now the things that we don't need are gone. That's how I like to look at all of it. It's like, is it serving me or is it not serving me? I don't like to label things good or bad because I don't want us to continue to perpetuate the message that somehow we're bad. We're not bad. We're not bad. And the things that happen to us happen to us, but that doesn't make us bad. That doesn't make us wrong. That doesn't make us broken. It simply means that that thing happened. And now I get to look at it and go, okay, so the fallout from that, is that serving me or not serving me? Oh, you know what is serving me? My resilience, my strength, my vulnerability, my ability to be raw and to talk with people in the world about these experiences that serves me. What's not serving me is the blame, the shame, the hurt, the like stories about my worth and my value that doesn't serve me. So that's got to go. And that's all part of that process of outside in. What did the world make me believe about myself? That's actually not true. That's not serving me. We've got to look at all of those pieces. I call it the rules that we live by. We've got to look at the rules or the programs happening in our subconscious and go, is this serving me? Is this not serving me? Because if it's not, we've got to get rid of it and we've got to replace it with something that does. So like one of my rules growing up, the whole children should be seen and not heard made me feel like I couldn't have a voice. It was bad. I would, I would be scared anytime I spoke up because I was like, I'm going to get in trouble. Something bad is going to happen. Even though people would be like, oh my gosh, I love, like I taught adults for a time. They're like, oh my gosh, I, I'm 18 years old teaching this room full of adults. I'm like, I'm terrified. But they're like, this was such a great lesson. We're so grateful and blah, blah, blah. But I'm still, I'm still like, oh my gosh, I would go home and cry because I'm like, that was so intense for me. And that was even before the robberies reawakened the childhood trauma. I'm still living in this rule that my voice is not allowed to be served. But going through this process, I came up with a rule for myself. I look, I'm looking to my left. Caitlin can see me doing it because I have them posted on the wall. I rewrite and update these rules every so often because I'm like, I need to remind myself that this is the new program, not the old stuff. And it says, speak your mind with kindness. That's my new rule. I replaced it because I needed to know it was okay for me to speak up and it was okay for me to tell the truth. And I wanted to do it Deb's way. I don't believe in brutal honesty because I don't believe in brutality, but Deb's way is speak your mind with kindness. So I can tell the truth with kindness. And then I'm in alignment with me. So that's outside in. The other thing we want to look at is inside out and inside out is diving into the truths that already exist in your soul. And that's the soul mapping that, that you talked about at the top of the call where like, I actually look into people's soul. Cause there's all of us have something at our core called a soul skin that carries qualities and characteristics and truths that came with us from wherever we live before that will go with us to wherever we live after. And we'll stay in this whole life. It exists there at our core. And it's beautiful and it's powerful because there is nothing more wonderful than recognizing that the things that people shamed you for, 
in your childhood, suddenly it's like, no, that's not anything to be ashamed of because that's how you come. That's your soul DNA, if you will. Like you came, or it's like being mad at Caitlin because she has brown eyes. Do you have brown eyes? They look brown from here. Yes, I do. Okay. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I, all of a sudden I'm like, they could be hazel. I don't know. It could be the lighting, but like, it'd be like, okay. how dare you have brown eyes, Caitlin? Like we're, nobody's going to do that because her brown eyes are beautiful and brown is brown. And she, that's part of her DNA coding. That's just how she's made that exists in your soul as well. And when you can know those like soul truths and be like, oh, that's not actually a problem. That's a part of my coding. That's the brown eyes of my soul. That's amazing. Or the blue eyes of my soul, like whatever it is, that's amazing. It becomes so powerful then because now we understand where to go for real truth. I'm not going to the broken people who came behind me because we've got to be really careful. And I, I shouldn't say that because I don't believe people are broken. The people who are living broken beliefs and broken rules behind me, that's what we want to be careful of because that's so many of us go to like our, our people who are, are unaware of their own reality for advice. And it's like, wait, no, it's not that they're not intelligent. They're just not aware of their own reality. And for all those of us who are challenging our reality, that's not necessarily a place to go to for advice. We've got to be so present with where we are getting truth from and why we believe it's truth. And the most powerful place I think to go is to into our own souls. And that goes back to trust and building the trust because our soul will give us truth. Our highest self will give us truth. I had a client once ask me, she's like, how do you know if your intuition is right? And I'm like, my intuition is always right. That is the baseline. I'm not going outside of me to validate my intuition. My intuition is always right. What I'm going outside of me for is to better understand my intuition. So when I get an intuitive hit, I'm asking questions so that I can be very clear on what that intuitive hit is telling me. That's all. Yeah. But I have to start from a baseline of I'm right. Just like the baseline is you are already worthy and deserving. You are already enough. That has to be the baseline. That is the baseline for everyone on this call. If you did not know it, the very bottom is you are already worthy and deserving. You are already enough, period. You are already awesome. You are already part of the cool kids club. Like done, done, check, done. Now we got to look at where to build from here. Same in like your intuition. Your intuition is right. The question is, do you understand your intuition? Because if you've been ignoring it for so long, if you've been shutting it down, that's where the problem comes in because you're no longer understanding your intuition. You don't know, you don't understand the language, right? You're like trying to speak German and you're like, I don't understand German. So I'm, I don't know what this message is telling me. So I'm going to do this. It doesn't work out. You're like, see, I can't trust my intuition. No, you can totally trust your intuition. You just got to learn how to speak German. Not that you're anyone's is German, but you get what I'm saying. So yeah, so that's truth. And then as we practice that over and over again, the truth and the safety that builds the trust. And that's what we got to do. That builds the confidence in our trust because every time you get a witness, every time you go to the bathroom and feel relieved, it's a witness that you did the right thing. Every time you take a swig of water, cause you're like, oh my gosh, I'm thirsty. It's a witness. It's more evidence that it's the right thing. And as you take action on your intuition to do the things that you feel called to do, that will help you build the the, the trust, the foundation of confidence to go, here's the evidence that this is the right thing. And now I have, I have a shit ton of evidence. I have bucket loads. You open my closet evidence just falls out of it because I've been doing the work over time to rewrite my outside rules, to embrace love and just like relish and revel on my inside truth. And to always my number one goal, always, 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 always for myself and for others is safety. Always. If you guys have not created safety for yourself, 
start there. Create safety. When your body says leave, you leave. When it says stand up, you stand up. When it says you're tired, you go to sleep. When it says eat, you eat. When it says don't go, don't go. Like, listen, be the safe person for yourself that the other people in your life never were or couldn't be for you. Be that person. And that, that, that is the change that, that makes all the difference in the world. So Caitlin, I've been talking your ear off. You're amazing. You're amazing. I've been talking your ear off. No, you have been dropping these amazing nuggets of knowledge, you know, like even for me and like for the listeners to also listen to this, like I market myself as an intuitive marketing coach. There are still days where I ignore when I have to pee. There are still days where I don't eat, you know, the time that I should be eating or I didn't put in the intention to order the food that week or whatever it may have been. So I just want everyone to know like what Dr. Deb is explaining and how she talks about repetition is it's going to take time for you to build up to this point Mm -hmm. where you will have the trust. So like the questions that her clients are asking, a lot of these questions are what my clients ask me as well. And I respond with, you know, this is a part of the journey. And once you accept that, maybe you will be pulled into a situation that didn't hit you well intuitively, you know, down the line. And looking back, you could have done things differently. That has happened to me many of times, and it's only more evidence. So the way Dr. Deb's explaining this is it's not a negative. Mm -hmm. It is just more evidence to add to your pull of intuition, where you can start to compare and contrast these different situations as they continue to come up. So don't feel bad about the decisions that you have made that haven't feel aligned. And I'm using air quotes because there are no mistakes. You know, it's okay. And even if you did make a mistake, air quotes again, how can we reframe it to be evidential to your intuition instead of detrimental to your intuition? Oh my gosh, I love that. Yes. Evidential, not detrimental. Because it's just happy little accidents. What makes the difference is what we do on the other side of it. That's it. And that's a Bob Ross quote. Happy little accidents. I love that. Absolutely. Amen. Evidential, not detrimental. That's amazing. Thank you so much, Dr. Deb. I don't want to take up too much of your time because I know you have a long day ahead of you, but can you tell us how to get in touch with you? How can we work with you? I and Sean, for the listeners, are going to be doing a session with Dr. Deb, hopefully in the fall. So we will be reporting back and I know it's going to be amazing. I know that you can also help your clients in all of these different ways. So maybe if you can walk us through that before we hop off here. Absolutely. I think a great starting point and something that I've created for your people is what I'm calling a rules rewriting session. Like, let me get in and help you rewrite the rules, that outside in approach. So if you go to debbieburns.me slash white rabbit, I am an Alice in Wonderland fanatic. And something I know about trauma is that it feels like someone does. They push us down this hole into this world that is upside down, that we don't understand that we're trying to navigate. And so let me help you with that. Follow the white rabbit. Okay. Debbie Burns, stop me slash white rabbit. And that's going to take you to an opportunity to sign up for a um, rewriting the rules session that are running your world. And I have a 60% off coupon for your people, just like Alice ate the cookies. Okay. You're going to eat a cookie. It's called try me all caps, all one word, try me, T-R-Y-M-E, okay? And that will give you 60% off the cost of that session. And what we're gonna do is we're gonna look at the rules running your world. There's a little thing that you'll fill out that'll get us started. So when you get together, we can look at what's what 
is most impacting you right now? Because we're not going to get to all of them. That's not how rule writing works. We look at the ones that are impacting us most in this season, like what's undermining you, what's holding you back, what's holding you down. And then we're going to, we're going to dismantle them together and come back and rewrite them into a, into a new code that's going to be um, here to, to empower you. And then from there we can decide, like I do um, personal sessions with people. I do compasses, that whole, like reading your soul that Caitlin had mentioned. I do that with people. So I think the best place to start is in the rule session or message me, message me. I'm an, I'm on Instagram at Deb magic, D E B M A G I C K. I love that K at the end. <laughs> so just come message me, come play in my space. So Instagram at Deb magic, Debbie burns.me. Um, and then if you actually want to do a session with me, Debbie burns.me slash white rabbit, will get you where you need to go with the coupon. Try me. I think that's thank you so much for that coupon too. Oh my gosh. Whoever yes, isn't taking advantage of that, get on it now. This is crazy. So it's like, honestly, it will blow up your world in a good way. You know, Dr. Deb can help you um, in areas that I don't know much about. So work with her and then we can work together because she's going to help you lay this groundwork um, and really mm-hmm. get a solid foundation. And that's where we all need to start. That's why I also have my support as well. So thank you so much, Dr. Deb. This has been amazing. And for our multitasker listeners, just always know you guys can shoot me a DM and I'm happy to connect you with Dr. Deb and even Dr. Joe as well, um, or she can send you his way. So thank you so much again. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I love you guys. Sending all the love. Thank you so much for listening to the end in mind. I would like to remind you all, if you haven't yet reached out to me on Instagram, we are at Meraki underscore media underscore management. It will be in our show notes as well. If you would like to reach out to me, we always offer free coaching through Instagram based around our Instagram training and our business Instagram practices. If you need any type of support, please do not hesitate to reach out to me there. And we also offer several different types of consulting and training packages if you're looking for a little bit more in-depth tips. So thank you all for listening in. And of course, I want you all to keep the end in mind as you continue with your day and or work week. Have a great week and I will see you all next time. Oh, I need to be.